The presenting sponsor for this season of Wild Ideas Worth Living is Ford. Their 2021 Ford Bronco Sport is the SUV that'll get you to your outdoor adventures. It's an off-road SUV built for the thrill seeker, the sightseer, and the day tripper. This SUV has many available features to help you get to your destination. With enough ground clearance, off-roading capabilities, and purposeful design that includes easy-to-clean surfaces and plenty of interior space, this SUV is your gateway to the outdoors. The Ford Bronco Sport is equipped to help you get out there, to the mountain ranges, the woodland trails, and to the coast. You can learn more about what the Bronco Sport has to offer at Ford.com or in our show notes. Joseph Mulhern is known by his stage name, Nothing Nowhere. He performs alternative emo music in front of thousands of diehard fans. The crowd is wild for him. They scream along with his lyrics, pile together as they crowd surf and jump to the beat of his music. His concerts are so high energy that sometimes there's even sweat dripping from the ceiling. No matter how amped up the crowd is, the vibe backstage is pretty much the opposite though. Joe experiences a severe anxiety disorder and he does everything he can to ground himself and connect with nature. Before the show, he sips on green tea and he plays a wooden flute. I love it. It's so relaxing. Yeah, it's like the ultimate calm. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Joseph Mulhern started making music when he was 12, but his career got serious after college. He was living in his parents' basement and he uploaded a couple of tracks to SoundCloud. From there, he was picked up by a record label. Now he's worked with big names like Travis Barker from Blink-182 and Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy. But things haven't always been smooth sailing for Joe. When he was seven years old, Joe started having panic attacks. These episodes weren't brought on by anything in particular. Sometimes he was just sitting in a chair with no external stressors and he'd suddenly have trouble breathing. Even now, sometimes Joe still gets panic attacks that are so intense he can't get out on stage. But over the years, Joe's found outlets that help him cope with his mental health challenges, including music and spending time outside. Joe, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. What's up? Thanks for having me. All the way from Vermont. All the way. Deep Vermont. Yeah, couldn't be deeper in Vermont. A lot of my guests are athletes, mountain climbers. You know, they've made a career out of like breaking records for running a race or doing something crazy in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. But you have this really different, beautiful story. So... Maybe you could tell me a little bit how, as like an emo rap artist, you have this giant relationship with the outdoors and how that came to be. Yeah, I feel like it's no secret that musicians in like creative minds, it's like we definitely struggle with our fair share of mental illness and mental struggles. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just kind of when you have that type of sensitive 
um, mindset and brain. It's like you you feel things very deeply, and I think this is something that I, that really I noticed when I was younger when I started having panic attacks in like the second grade. Um, you know, really intense ones, not really knowing what happened, what was happening. I don't think anyone knew what was happening because I didn't really have the words to describe it or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I mean, growing up was really struggling with that and uh, it was really kind of a difficult childhood navigating, you know, anxiety and depression at like a young, like very young age. Um, Because when you're a kid, you know, you don't want to you're supposed to not worry about things you're supposed to you know like play with worms and like play in a sandbox and you shouldn't be having panic attacks um so yeah i mean like the way that being outdoors and in nature and music has kind of like helped me is it's been like it's always been my safe place and it's always forced me to stay in the present moment and it's been just that zen that i my brain needs because my brain is always running at you know 10,000 miles an hour asking myself what if what if what if and when I step out onto the trail I step out into the woods there's nothing else that exists it's just you know like the soft whisper of the trees and the wind and it's the crunching of the leaves under your feet and from a young age I realized that was probably the most beneficial prescription I could possibly have and um and to this day, you know what I mean? Like I, that's that's what saves me. And that's a big part as, as to like why I don't live in the city and, and why I live where I, I live now, you know? Yeah, I completely relate and understand. And I appreciate you for sharing that. I'm, I'm just curious, what did social anxiety look like at seven years old? Yeah. Uh, an anxiety attack. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, you know, um, just... I, I, they, I guess the doctors thought I had asthma because I couldn't breathe, you know, when I would start and my heart would start racing and I couldn't breathe and, you know, I'd be like nauseous or throwing up and, and for a long time, you know, um, doctors weren't really sure what was going on with me. And my mom thankfully is a nurse and she, she started to catch on to what was going on. And, uh, I think that's one thing that I don't, I don't think, uh, maybe people really understand about anxiety is, is, um, you know, people would be like, oh, I'm I'm anxious because I have a job interview tomorrow or I'm anxious because I have to have like this conversation tomorrow. But I think anxiety and if you have a real panic disorder, there's no like tangible event that's going to cause it. Like I remember my first, you know, panic attack. I'm just sitting there like in my my adrenaline spikes and my brain convinces me that I'm probably going to die. And then your brains, your neurons fire faster than you know, your norm, your average person's uh, neurons would. So, I mean, like when I was younger, yeah, this was happening and just thankfully kind of like figured it out and kind of discovered, you know, meditation and, and being outdoors. And I know my dad was a, was a huge advocate for, you know, getting me and my sister outside, teaching us how to make fires, teaching us, you know, survival skills. So talk to me really quickly about the music you play and how you got into music. Yeah, I mean, I've been into music since I was a little kid. Um, you know, my dad really put me on to like punk music. Like he listened to The Clash and like Iggy Pop and, you know, like <laughs> all all this rad stuff and you know, my mom was a disco dance teacher and and uh so there's just wow. always music around and um I discovered sort of like 
alternative music when I was in like third grade, like shortly after I started having these panic attacks. And it was like an aha moment for me because I heard these dudes being real and raw and honest in their their work. And it made me feel like it's okay to to like feel the way that I was feeling as a little kid, you know? I remember hearing Linkin Park and, and hearing Hybrid Theory and and it just like quite literally changing my life. So not long after that, I, I uh, went to my cousin's house and she was learning guitar and, and I went to one of her guitar lessons and I heard her instructor play Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne on guitar. And to me, that was like magic. So I knew that I had to learn how to do that. I was like, I don't know what this guy's doing, but I need to learn how to do it. And, uh, you know, my mom started driving me to the local music shop and I started playing guitar at 12. So when I read about your music, they described it as like emo rap. Is mm. that how you describe it? I don't think that's how I describe it. I just think it's how people like describe when they hear like guitar and like electronic drums on the same track and it's like pretty vulnerable and and it sounds like you know 2021 warp tour maybe like what it would sound like now um but you know i grew up listening to that warp tour stuff it's just what i grew up on and it's like in my dna i'll never escape that you know so i, I just i tell people i make experimental music i don't know or alternative <laughs> I like that. I like you make vulnerable experimental music. Yeah. And and what sort of things do you sing about? Uh just <laughs> how sad I am. No, I'm just kidding. Like I just like I just like talking about what's going on with with me and I like being honest and I try to do what those musicians did for me when I was younger. I just try to be real. I try try to keep it honest and say like, hey, like I've been having a bad week and I'm going to make a song about it. I'm going to write a song about how I didn't want to get out of bed today um, because I felt like it was a gift um, that those musicians were giving me when I was younger and to be able to be in that position now for other people and to be honest about how I feel um, and to say that like, you know, mental health and, and it's, it's not like an overnight thing. It's, it's a every day you got to take it one step at a time and one day at a time. And uh, I just like to be real in my music. And I think I've created a little cool community with my fan base through like the honesty, you know? Joe has an incredible fan base, and he's created a one-of-a-kind community. He's always wanted to support his fans the same way he felt supported by his favorite musicians growing up. Recently, Joe decided to start a YouTube channel called Into the Trauma Factory. It's inspired by the name of his new album. The videos show Joe practicing bushcraft skills. If you're unfamiliar, bushcraft is really cool. It's the art of survival and wilderness skills. It's doing things like starting a fire without matches, building primitive shelters, and foraging and hunting for food. In one video, Joe ventures into the snowy Vermont woods and he builds a fire to make tea. He sits cross-legged in the snow and he answers questions about real life struggles from his fans. Joe draws on his experience with meditation and philosophy. These are methods that have helped him calm his mind over the years 
and he shares this knowledge and insight with his fans. You have this this video and web series, well, and a new album, Trauma Factory. You released it in February. Where did that name come from? Yeah, Trauma Factory. Uh, I, I decided to call the record Trauma Factory just because I feel like that was kind of a synonym for human life. I mean, not in like a dystopian, like pessimistic, through a pessimistic lens or anything. I, I just think it's... Um, I just think that, you know, suffering is a part of life. Trauma is a part of life. And there's beauty in that because everyone suffers. Everyone experiences trauma. And when you realize that, you can treat others with empathy and compassion. And you can treat others like your fellow sufferers. And you cannot lash out at people and not judge people because you understand um, truthfully and, and, and that, you know, people are, you know, the guy at the grocery store could have, you know, a bad diagnosis or, or something like that. You just never, ever know. And uh, to me, Trauma Factory is a synonym for life in, in, in a good way, you know. Does it come from, where does it come from? Does it come from Buddhism or yeah. <laughs> yes. reading? Okay. Yeah, I'm very, very, um, in, I wouldn't, I don't really um, define myself as a Buddhist or anything like that, but I'm just really into, you know, the story of Siddhartha and Buddhism and Lao Tzu and, um, you know, Taoism, obviously all of the Eastern philosophies and, you know, that one of the main staples in, in Buddhism is, you know, suffering is a part of life. And once you realize that, I mean, you, you can kind of be free. How did you get into meditation? Um, I think the first time I ever meditated, I was in high school and I was in, well, I was living with my parents, obviously, and I was in our backyard and it was a nice warm day. And I did a Tonglin meditation. It was like a Tibetan monk was kind of doing a guided one. And I remember doing it uh, and just kind of for the first time ever, I was truly in one spot and I wasn't worrying about the future and I wasn't um, thinking about the past. And I remember just crying after because I'd never um, checked in with myself at that capacity and I've never like delved into the inner workings of what's going on. And just to, when you finally realize like really what's happening in your mind, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. So I just remember crying and it was such a powerful moment, just feeling the sun on the crown of my head. And, and, and I was like, this is, how can I not do this now? And, and that was a wrap, you know, and I was in high school and I've just been doing it ever since. What does your meditation practice look like? So when I'm going hard and I'm doing it, um, I ideally would love to be doing it every day, but you know, like I'm a human being and I fall off, but when I'm doing it every day, I wake up, um, just kind of do gratitude and, and I, you know, I thank the, the creator of whatever that is that might be different for anyone for like another day. And, you know, I, try and make a promise to myself and the universe that I'll treat others with empathy and compassion and stay grateful. And uh, I just do, you know, 15 to 30 minutes in the morning of Tonglin meditation, which is breathing in positive thoughts, exhaling the negative thoughts. You know, I have my music going, my incense, and uh, it just grounds me for the day. And it's like, okay, another day on earth as a human being. And what are we going to do in this incarnation? 
Is there any books that really influenced you that you read? I mean, you mentioned Siddhartha. Yeah, I'd, I'd say like overall the main book for me that I would anyone listening that I would wholeheartedly recommend is the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. And that is kind of how I want to live my life. And it's kind of my compass to how I want to treat others. Um, and it's, it's such an easy read and every, and it's just zingers guy was spitting facts. Like he was, uh, I mean, he, I guess he, he went into a cave and as, and as he was going to leave and kind of become a hermit in the mountains, the, the the guard at the the gate of the town asked him to write a book about life and the the Tao Te Ching is that even though Joe has resources that help him cope with his anxiety the pressure of performing in front of a live crowd it can be intense when we come back Joe talks about the rituals he uses to stay calm and grounded on tour how he makes his own maple syrup and where he finds his inspiration. In the same pioneering spirit of our podcast, Teva is all about bringing wild ideas to life. Their premise is simple, create a world with less plastic and more freedom. A bold concept, Absolutely, but let's not forget, Teva was born from a bold idea on the Colorado River back in 1984. An innovator in the sport sandal category, Teva transitioned 100% of its iconic straps to traceable, verifiable, recycled plastic using Reprieve yarn last year, diverting over 40 million bottles from landfills. They're back at it this spring, breaking the mold with a fresh batch of earth-friendly sandals, We're talking feel-good footwear that utilizes recycled materials and sustainable practices. And now they've launched an industry-leading sandal recycling program, Teva Forever, so you can send your well-worn Teva sandals to be recycled and reborn. So whether you're seeking a sidewalk-ready silhouette like the original Universal or hiking performance from the Terrify, Teva has a pair for you. Discover consciously crafted Teva sandals this spring with select colors available at your local REI and at REI.com. I've had a lot of portable speakers because I travel a lot and music is awesome. And the Sonos Roam is the best one I've owned. They sent me one this week and not only is the design sleek and minimalistic, but the sound is so crisp and clear. It was easy to set up with my phone and it automatically switches from Wi-Fi to Bluetooth wherever you go. It even tunes itself to your surroundings so that the sound is always clear and perfectly balanced like you're in your own recording studio, which is very cool for a podcast nerd like me. Best of all, this thing is durable and waterproof, so it will definitely be coming with me to the beach this summer. You can discover Sound Made Easy at Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com. For eight months a year, Joe and his band tour the world performing his music. But he isn't your average celebrity. There's the stereotypical rock star lifestyle. Sex, drinking, drugs that Joe totally stays away from. Joe is straight edge. 
which means he doesn't drink or do drugs. He's also a vegan and he loves going out to vegan restaurants wherever he is on tour. When he's not on the road, he comes back to his house in the countryside and doubles down on centering himself and getting outside. I mean, you're kind of like a rock star, so that's <laughs> not always the easiest world to navigate, but it seems like uh, you're doing it really well. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of had to flip the script, like, a lot with the whole, like, you know, rock band touring thing. Like, our the green room is not, like, you know, <laughs> like strippers and drugs. It's, like, it's it's green tea and meditation. I read that you're straight edge and mm-hmm. vegan. Is that is that still... True? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So what's straight edge? What does that even mean? I guess like, so like straight edge was kind of coined in like the hardcore punk scene, uh, I guess really by like Ian MacKay and like Minor Threat back in the day where it was like kind of in a culture that was dominated by uh, like substance abuse and um, that sort of escapism and kind of self-destructive behavior. Um, It was like, it became the counterculture to be like, quote unquote straight edge and uh when i was younger seeing that in shows and and like you know it just really spoke to me and i just wasn't um i wasn't really interested in in that like alternative lifestyle that my peers were living um which i mean and it's not to say like i don't care if anyone does anything like people can do whatever they want um just for me it just works super well so you know i i don't drink or smoke or take you know do anything like that really and you're vegan is this a new thing are you always have you always been vegan <laughs> i've been vegan for 10 years going on 11 wow. years yeah yeah good on you yeah so yeah i'm slowly becoming a monk i guess oh my partner's been vegan for 20 years he looks like a baby and he's, he's 55 so <laughs> there you go killer. yeah there you go yeah yeah i can't say i'm vegan i try but um yeah that's I, I think that's so, but you have you have lots of animals on your farm or your property. Yeah, I mean, I just have chickens right now, but I mean, I okay. uh, I I really want more. It just the it comes down to once touring kicks up again, um I'm going to have to get like a handler or something. I've also read that you tap your own maple syrup? <laughs> yeah. I think I got into maple sugaring like 4 years ago and uh pretty much like you find a sugar maple or a red maple and it's better to identify them in the fall so you can see the leaves otherwise you're going to be scratching your head in the winter um you know february mid-february um you know tap your trees and i guess you just take kind of like a 316th bit drill like an inch and a half into the tree and then you kind of take a hammer and tap metal spouts into the tree and uh then you hang a bucket on it and so you know, when it gets to a point where it's below freezing at night and then the days are above freezing, which is kind of late February, March, um, you know, the the tree is getting ready for the spring. So it's it's bringing all the sap up into leaves and a lot of it will just drip out into the bucket. Mm. And uh, yeah, you just go out and collect all the buckets, pour it into your collection tank, you know, and then you bring it to a, a like an evaporator or a boiler, put some, you know, and then you put some logs in there and you just boil it all day until it, the viscosity gets to a point of syrup. You're just kind of boiling the water off of it. Um, you know, like sap just looks like water and it tastes like mildly sweet until you boil it down to syrup. And 
yeah, it's just like a rad thing to do. And like, it's a funny, it's just like funny to like tell people you do it, especially in music. Cause people, you know, my friends who live in LA and stuff, they don't, they're like, what is, what is that? You know, it's just fun. Well, you're a maker and there's gotta be something so deeply satisfying about being able to make your own food, but also something that's sweet that you can yeah. share with others. That's the best part is sharing it with others. Like, I mean, I, I can, you know, like, believe me, I can put down some maple syrup myself. Like, but I mean, like to, to, you know, to go to your neighbor's house and be like, hey, like I harvested this for you. It's like a really special thing. I feel like, you oh, you yeah. sound like you're a really good neighbor. <laughs> so you make maple syrup, you take care of your chickens and you love spending time in the woods. Do you have any crazy stories of being out in the wilderness? Yeah, well, I for whatever reason, I have a lot of bear encounters. First time I ever had a bear encounter, we were camping in the White Mountains. I was with my friend and I remember being in the tent and uh just my friend waking me up violently like, "Dude, there's something outside." I was like, "It's probably a raccoon or something, man." Like, go back to sleep and he's like, "It's not a raccoon." And uh I was like, "All right, I fell back asleep." He woke me up again. He's like, "You got to you got to like listen to this." We heard something sniffing around, like poking, like you could see the indent in the tent, like it was really sniffing in because wow. we were idiots and had food in the tent. Like oh, we no. Yeah, we were so dumb. And um, It's okay. I would have done the same thing probably yeah, and gotten and eaten alive. So like we ended up, I was like, all right, I'm going to look. And we ended up taking, you know, the first layer out and looking out the screen. And sure enough, it was like, you know, a black bear right there trying to get into the tent. And long story short... I stayed up for the next four hours, just like heart racing, maybe slept 30 minutes and woke up the next morning and the whole site was just torn apart. <laughs> like, Did you make noise? No, because that's the thing. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that have been maybe on the podcast that know more, but me, I'm just like a musician who happens to like outdoor stuff. <laughs> so like, I'm not well versed in like what to do when a bear rolls up. Every time I've seen one, I've just either like stood still or just ran but I don't know if that's the right thing to do. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what you're not supposed to do, but I don't know. I'm not yeah. a bear expert either. I just thought you were supposed to like get big and make noise. I'm still here. so that I, <laughs> is, Yeah, obviously it worked. Yeah. That is so wild. Yeah. Did that bear encounter, I mean, how, how does that influence, does that influence your music? How does that influence <laughs> your life? Like after going through something like that? I think like in the grand scheme of things, it like it gives you like a reverence and respect for the power of nature and just how like fragile the human body and it can be, you know, I mean, we like to pretend like we're at the top of the food chain. I mean, we're really not left to our own devices. Like we don't have anything to defend ourselves. I think like having it like the respect for nature and the power of nature has influenced my music and just like in just weird ways, I guess, you know, like being outside and, and realizing uh, how kind of like fragile we are and um, vulnerable we are. And like, it kind of destroys your ego in a way. And I think it's a really humbling experience to be out in nature, knowing that anything could kill you at any moment. Um, it's just humbling. It just, it, it's an ego destroyer. Whether he's homesteading in Vermont or encountering bears in the woods, Joe feels his best when he's outside. Connecting with nature helps him manage his anxiety 
And it also pushes him to question topics like ego, inspiration, and celebrity. Where do you get your inspiration? There's been a lot of artists in the past that say they just kind of channel this thing or something else tells them, you know, what to write. And I feel like that almost like being a conduit or like an antenna to something else because I don't think I'm doing it. I think it's some, you know, not to get too esoteric or or like whatever, but I just feel like it's something else sometimes because it's just always been there. I think that's a good way to be, though. If you have a muse that tells you these things, one, it takes pressure off yourself, but two, it's like kind of a beautiful thing. Totally. Yeah. And like, to, I think that's the, the biggest thing is to not put pressure on yourself because I've certainly struggled with that. Like, I'm always self critical and like self conscious about everything I do. You know, like, I'll make a song or I'll make something. And, and in the past, I've always been like, this isn't good. Like, why am I even doing this? And I remember quitting music a couple of times when I was younger because I was just like, oh, this is probably no good. But, you know, when you start to view it as like you're a conduit and you're just taking in this energy and you're just like expressing, you know, pure inspiration, it kind of takes that weight off of you. And a lot of being an artist is managing self-doubt, which is like oh not an God. easy thing because every artist deals with it. <laughs> self-doubt is like the biggest, you know, and like I listen to a lot of podcasts too, like, and I think like more artists should like be honest and open about the self-doubt thing. I know a lot are, but like, it's such a massive thing. I feel like I made my best work when I just didn't ask for a second opinion or I just like put it out there. And then like, yeah, it's just for whatever reason, like having that voice that says, you know, you're not good enough or this isn't good enough or, you know, having imposter syndrome, you know, like I vividly remember being at like, you know, one of my idols, like Travis Barker from Blink-182, being at his house and recording an EP with him and the entire time, just my brain screaming at me, like, this is a fluke, like, you know, you don't deserve to be here. And it's just that doubting mind that I think needs constant like taming almost how do you tell your mind to shut the f up (laughs) when it's doing that i just think it's about like positive self-talk like would you say the things that you're saying to yourself to someone else absolutely not that's like one of the main things that i realized like i'll hear that voice and this is another thing that meditation has helped me with it's like, I'll hear that voice that says like, this isn't good. Like, this is this is a fluke. Like, you don't deserve this. And I'll be like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Thanks. Now, like, F off. Like, thank you for your opinion, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> good for you. That's empowering to be able to tell that voice to be quiet because that's not real. It's not true. So advice to those dealing with anxiety like you've you've Mm -hmm. dealt with it and you're dealing with it and in a public way you're dealing with it which i commend you on that's awesome and noble and not easy um what have you learned on your journey i guess some of the main points would be like it's it's an uphill struggle kind of um you know you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days i mean even just yesterday i started having some anxiety you know what i mean and I think it's about regimenting yourself and and making sure that you're staying on top of, you know, being active, meditate, just get outside into the woods. If you have access to that, I completely understand not all people have access to that, unfortunately. But um, 
yeah, just just stay in the present moment. I'd say the biggest thing for me is meditation and regimenting my day in, at some capacity. You know what I mean? Just make sure that I get out of bed. Sometimes it's the, it's the little victories. You sat up, you got out of bed, you ate breakfast. And it's about celebrating those small victories because not everyone is able to operate at the same speed. And oftentimes when you have mental illness, it's like, you can't do the things that a normal person can. Sometimes going to the grocery store is like, you know, going to the Olympics or something. Like it's, it's, it's just like being kind to yourself. And like, even now, like, and if you fall off the wagon, you fall off the wagon with, you know, your meditation or whatever, like, cause you know, God knows I have, and you forgive yourself. From being a seven-year-old who struggled with panic attacks to becoming a beloved artist with record deals, I find Joe's story inspiring. Even when he's out on tour for more than half the year, it's remarkable that Joe stays so in tune with nature. It also takes serious guts to be honest with yourself about self-doubt and the realities of living a life of creativity. So Joe, I really appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm really excited to one day try some of your homemade maple syrup. Joe's new album, Trauma Factory, is out now and available on your favorite music platforms. His video series called Into the Trauma Factory is available on YouTube. You can learn more about Joe and his next performance at nothingnowhere.net. You can also follow him on social media at Nothing Nowhere. That's N-O-T-H-I-N-G-N-O-W-H-E-R-E. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Sylvia Thomas, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby, and our presenting sponsor this season is Ford. If you want to find me, I'm on Instagram at Shelby Stanger. I also have a new podcast called Vitamin Joy. As always, we all appreciate when you follow the show, rate it, and take two minutes to write a review wherever you listen to this show. And whatever you do, remember, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas.